Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Fantastic. Let's read Psalm 13 together. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Awesome. Thanks, Petrina. Uh, it's great that we can kind of hear about what the kids are, are doing at the moment and, uh, yeah, what they're not doing, I guess. If you haven't seen any of that stuff, jump online uh, on our Facebook page. You can see some of the activities and the stuff that the kids have been up to. Um, it is a bit weird um, that we don't have kids' church. It is weird that we don't have church. Uh, we consistently miss that, uh, that we don't have this moment together. Uh, but we do have a great opportunity to still hear from God's Word. Uh, so we're going to do that now. We're going to look at Psalm 13. But before we do, how about we just take a moment uh, and slow down and stop and pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, thank you so much that you are still God. Thank you that you are the God who's in control. Lord, wherever we are right now, we pray that you would help us. Help us to hear what you're saying to us. Help us to be transformed by this truth. Help us to be changed by this truth. And we pray, Lord, that as we come before you, that you would work in us and that you would help us to live in this present darkness and to do this present season. We ask for your guidance. We ask for your wisdom. We ask for your spirit to move among us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's been five weeks uh, since we've done online church. I don't know if you've um, realized that. Five weeks, and five weeks, I think, as well, since the social distancing measures, the, the self-isolation, if you've experienced that uh, in your home. And I wonder how you're going with that. Um, see, it's interesting for me, I'm realizing that in the social distancing, in the self-isolation, I'm realizing that one of the ways... As a society, we dealt with pain and we dealt with darkness. One of the ways that we dealt with that stuff is being exposed in this present time. Uh, I'm realizing that memes don't actually do it for us. I'm realizing that, that jokes, if you, if you don't know what a meme is, it's an online joke. It pretty much describes, you know, often it's a picture with words on it, but pretty much it can describe any joke that's been created online. And at the moment, in the present darkness, these things just aren't doing it, doing it for me. Um, you know, before the pandemic, there were a couple of ones over the last couple of years that you might be aware of. Um, there was two particularly that come to my mind when thinking of dealing with pain and darkness. Uh, the first one was this one. Uh, this picture there, uh, hopefully that's on your screen, the picture of the dog uh, surrounded by the fire. And the dog says, this is fine. It's uh, the way of describing how we feel in darkness, in moments of pain. And, you know, we're just there kind of with our coffee saying this is fine. That was one of the ones from the last few years. 
But there was another one as well, um, probably more my favourite one actually, and we can, we can get off that picture of the dog. Uh, my favourite one actually in the last few years has been um, when there's been, you know, it could be a picture, but often it was just with words. Uh, when someone's on a podcast, you often hear um, if someone's describing their loss, you know, it could be a sporting team loss or, or just something painful they're going through. The song, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend, would play over the top of them as they would talk about that loss. Now, I've appreciated those memes in the past, but there's something about this present moment that these things just aren't doing it for us anymore. Now, I'm not saying memes are not good, uh, nor am I saying if you've been sending me memes to stop. I don't need more, right? I should just say that. I've got enough coming into my feed, but I'm just saying in the present moment, in this present darkness, these memes are leaving us, these jokes are leaving us needing something a little bit more. And, and that's because this present season is kind of strange. You know, if you're anything like me, this present season has been really weird. It's been a, a roller coaster of emotions. I don't know if you've, you've felt that. Um, but this began, you know, four months ago, whenever it was, we, as we heard of the, the virus beginning in China, it, it began for me as this kind of fear and worry and the unknown of, well, how bad is it? And, and what am I supposed to feel in that? Then the virus began to spread. And, and so in me, my emotions began to spread from fear and worry to anxiety and concern and, and what happens if it comes here then it quickly moved uh, as we began to fight this as we began those social distancing measures to gratitude and thankfulness that in australia we've done really well i mean it's still sad there's still loss that exists but but i'm thankful for this moment and yet in that it is sadness there is sorrow there's the sorrow of loss and of losing good things like church and and friendships and, and really good things that we've kind of been able to have for so long then you throw in there the uncertainty of the future, financial uncertainty. When is this, gonna thi when is this thing going to end? And in all of this, it's just this uh, roller coaster of emotions where each day, if I'm honest, like I don't know whether I'm going to wake up happy or sad. You know, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to wake up in a good mood or a bad mood. I, I don't know if each day is going to bring with it fear and worry and anxiety or if I'm going to be able to do that day. And, and it's in this space that this question's being raised. And the question is, how do I handle this? How do I cope with this present season of darkness? How do I deal with this season of, of kind of crazy emotions of, of what we're feeling? How do I cope with this darkness? And, and not just how do I cope with it, but is there any way out of it? Is there any way for me out of this darkness? Well, what we're going to do uh, over the next five weeks, actually, is push into this space. And we're going to do this as we look at a book of the Bible called the Psalms. And we're going to see that the Psalms have this kind of authentic, sometimes shocking honest honesty of people who are experiencing darkness and where they turn in that. And what we're going to find is whether you're experiencing this darkness in a big way, or a small way, what we're going to find is this so beautifully points us to who God is and what God has done and how we live in the darkness. It's going to be helpful for us wherever we are. So how do we handle this darkness? Well, we're going to begin with that psalm that Petrina read out for us. It's Psalm 13, and we're going to push into that space. So again, it begins. It's for the director of music, so it was probably a song. Uh, it's a psalm of David. He's the guy that penned this. And it says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? 
So how do we handle this darkness? How do we do this? How do we handle this season that we're in? Well, the first thing that we see in this passage is that David is experiencing darkness. That's, that's what we see here. And you, you would have felt that straight away. David is experiencing this darkness. Now, if you're not sure who David is, he's the David from David and Goliath. That's, that's the David we're talking about. He was a king in the Old Testament, you know, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, made some mistakes along the way, but he was a man after God's own heart. And yet what we see here is that he's not immune to darkness. He experiences that. That's what we read. He feels the darkness here in this moment. He feels it, right? And, and here what we see in verse 1 and 2 is this complaint to God. You know, it's this honest, shockingly honest, I think you could argue, complaint to God. That's what we're experiencing here in these first two verses. And, and notice something. This is not going to be even be theologically correct. You know, these couple of verses, like he's about to say, God, how long have you forgotten me? But throughout the Bible, God can't forget his people. He's about to say, how long will you hide your face from me? But God doesn't hide his face from his people. Um, it's not a, you know, theologically accurate, his words. It's not even an intellectual exercise. You know, it's not like a, a treatise or a creed or whatever else like that. What we see is that this is a man experiencing hurt, experiencing darkness. And what we see in these first two verses is he just pours his heart out. It's his emotions on display. And, and we see in these first two verses, we see him explaining or exploring five emotions. He faces five emotions. The, the first emotion that he faces is abandonment. He feels abandoned. He says, if you've got your Bibles there in verse one, how long will you, Lord, forget me forever? He feels abandoned. He feels forgotten. And it's interesting, I, I don't know what your reaction is in that, you know, when you read that, but it's funny because for me, um, I find it interesting that he uses the word forever. You know, we're told like in relationships, you're not to, you know, you're not supposed to, it's not helpful to use words like always or never or forever because it accentuates the problem and it makes things worse. Yet here David uses the word forever. And I, I think intellectually he gets you know, that, that God won't forget him forever. But if we know the experience of darkness and when darkness sets in, he can't see a way out of this. Intellectually, it doesn't matter what's going on because this is what he feels. He looks ahead at the darkness and he can't see a way out. He feels abandoned and he feels abandoned forever. That's the first feeling he's, he's got. He feels abandoned. Secondly, he feels rejected. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? He feels rejected. So the difference between abandonment and rejection, abandonment, you know, can sometimes be incidental. Sometimes it's accidental even, you know, like you could forget someone accidentally. It, it still hurts, but forgetting or abandonment, it can be accidental, but rejection's different. It's an active thing. It's the active turning away. And, and this is what David feels of God. How could you reject me? How could you actively turn your face from me? If you're seeing my darkness, how could you actively turn your face? He feels rejection. Then we see number three, so abandonment. He feels abandoned. He feels rejected. Number three, verse two, he says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? He feels we could describe this as anxious. Or even we could feel this, he, he's, he's describing a depression here. He feels depressed. He feels stuck in the battle of his mind, in the battle of his thoughts. Now, um, Ryan and myself, we were talking about this on the Navigate podcast last week because this battle of the mind, this is us. We, we feel this. And maybe you felt this as well. The battle of your thoughts where your mind is waging war and you have no sense of right and wrong, no clarity. 
you know, we, we were talking about it, um, it can be described as the rain cloud setting in. You know, like, that's what it feels like in our mind, that we can't see any light. It can be described as the, the black dog that's kind of always there. You know, David feels this. And he cries, he complains to God, why have you left me on my own? Why have you left me in the battle of my mind? Why have you left me here to wrestle with my thoughts all by myself? That's the third thing he feels, anxious, depression. Then, then we see the fourth thing he feels. Day after day, he says in verse 2, Day after day must I have sorrow in my heart. The fourth thing he feels is, is sadness. You know, the, the sting of loss. Grief. Sometimes sadness comes for a reason. Sometimes it sets in for no reason at all. Sometimes it can be for a moment. Sometimes it can come day after day. David feels this. He feels the sadness of this moment. He feels the sting of the moment. He feels the sorrow in his heart. So he feels abandoned, rejection, anxious, depression. He feels sadness. And then finally, the last one, he feels defeated. Verse 2, again, at the end of that, he says, How long will my enemies triumph over me? He feels defeated. You know that feeling that you're an easy enemy? That, you, that you're an easy target, sorry? That feeling that the enemy can get after you and that you're not going to be able to stand? You know, it's interesting, we don't know David's specific situation here. It may have been a physical enemy for David. It might actually have been sickness. It might actually have been a spiritual enemy. We don't know. But what we know is that he feels like an easy target. He feels like it doesn't take much to rock him and to shake him. And so he cries out to God. And he says, how long will my enemy triumph over me? And so you feel what he's going through. You know, we see that. He's feeling abandoned, rejection, anxious, sorrow. He's feeling defeated. And here in this moment, in this complaint, he brings it to God. He faces his emotions and he brings it to God. Now, I, I love that in his darkness, he faces his emotions. I, I love that he faces his emotions. You know, he doesn't flee from his emotions. He doesn't run away. He doesn't crush it down and pretend that those feelings in the middle of darkness don't exist. He faces his emotions, and he declares them to God. I love that he does this. You see, it's interesting. You know, the generalization in our society at the moment today is that generally um, women are better than men at facing their emotions, at speaking about their emotions. Um, I don't know what it is in your house, you know, as you look to the person on the couch next to you, I don't know who's more emotional um, in, in your house. It's interesting, in our house, um, Elizabeth often argues that I'm more emotional than she is. And I've got to be honest, when she says that to me, it does hurt. But I push back, right? I mean, we have that. It's not really an argument. It's just banter, right, where we talk about that. But, but the generalization is that women are better than men at facing their emotions, See, what I love about this passage, though, is that David shows us there is no biblical masculinity, first and foremost. There's no biblical masculinity that hides from facing emotions. But more broadly than that, there's no biblical humanity that hides facing emotions. You see, all of us, men or women, we, if we're honest, we sometimes struggle with facing our emotions. And yet what we see from David is a rawness here. And honesty here. He shows us that being human, one of the traits to being human is that we feel things. And if we're feeling things in the middle of darkness, then this is completely normal because this is a normal human trait. 
David shows us it's normal to feel things in the middle of darkness. But see, what's interesting is this, this is not just unique to David. We see this in Jesus as well. See, there's this passage in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, and we'll throw it up on the screen for you where we see this from Jesus. It says this in Hebrews 5, verse 7. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions, and then hear this, prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. You see that? Jesus felt things. It's not just David that shows us that biblical humanity is to feel things in the middle of darkness. Jesus felt things as well. And what we see from that Hebrews verse, that Hebrews passage, is that Jesus felt things and he cried things and he brought those things to God. You see, the Psalms are an amazing book of the Bible and they point us to God, but they don't just point us to God. What we realize in the Psalms is that Jesus prayed these psalms before we ever did. So Jesus prayed Psalm 13. This was his psalm before it was ours. And I wonder when we think about Jesus and his life, I wonder the moments when he prayed Psalm 13. You know, on the back of last week, we you know, looked at the Easter story of Jesus' death and resurrection. I wonder if Psalm 13 was there for Jesus. I wonder if that was what was going through his mind. You know, I wonder if when he was feeling abandoned, and rejected and alone when he was feeling defeated, when he was suffering from the worry and the anxiety of the situation. I wonder if he was crying out Psalm 13. If that was not far from his mind, how long, O Lord, will you leave me in this forever? The, the Psalms are Jesus' prayers before they're ours. And, and what we see from David and from Jesus is that biblical humanity is to feel things. It's a normal thing to feel things, and particularly in the middle of darkness, we are to face our emotions, not flee from them, not crush them down. But see, what David and Jesus show us is not just that it's okay to feel things. You know, they don't just show us that it's okay if you're feeling things at the moment. You know, if like David and like Jesus, you're feeling stuff at the moment. You know, maybe you're feeling abandonment right now. In this season, maybe you're feeling, whether it's abandonment from people or God, maybe, maybe you're feeling forgotten. Maybe there's a sense right now that you're feeling rejected. You know, you feel alone. You feel like you've, have, you've been having Zoom meetings and people have been, you know, calling you on the phone. And yet there's this still sense that you're all alone. Maybe there is the battle of your mind, raging war inside of you, that there is this battle day in, day out that you have. Maybe it's sorrow. Maybe you felt sorrow or the sorrow has set in. M maybe you feel defeated. You know, you know, the thing that we see in this passage is it's okay to feel those things. In fact, as a human, it's normal, it's good for us to realize, to face our feelings. David did it and Jesus did it. But, but you see, what's beautiful about this passage is they don't just show us it's okay to feel things. They show us where we turn in this. See, I, I don't know if you notice this, but verse 1 and 2 is a complaint from David, but notice it's a complaint in the context of prayer, right? So David's not complaining to his friends. This is not his social media post where he's self-deprecating himself so that someone will tell him he's actually a good bloke. That's not what David's doing here. He's complaining in the context of prayer. He's complaining to God. So what we see from David is that even if he's feeling the darkness, 
He's showing us that not only is it a human trait to feel these things, he's showing us what maturity is. And maturity in darkness is turning to God and not away from him. So how does he turn to God? Well, we see this as we keep reading from verse 3. He says in verse 3, Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. David shows us that maturity in the middle of darkness is turning to God, not away from him. Now that uh, phrase there, give light to my eyes, interestingly enough, it's found only in one other place in the Old Testament uh, from a guy called Jonathan. And randomly enough, it was when he was eating honey. And when he ate honey, he kind of described the energy that he got from the honey as light to his eyes. So essentially, David's saying, give me energy. And if you've ever felt the sorrow or the darkness, sometimes that's what we're lacking. That's what he's praying. But more than that, in this whole section, David's showing us where we turn in the middle of darkness. We turn to God and not away from him. But see, I don't know if you're feeling this, but as we read through these verses, I feel like a question's raised here. Something feels a little bit off in the logic of this psalm. Because see, verse 1 and 2, David's just described that he feels forgotten, right? He he describes, he's felt, you know, those feelings that we looked at, abandoned, rejection. He feels defeated. He's feeling that in the moment. And then yet, verse 3 comes along and he's praying to God. You know, that, that feels a bit odd. That feels in some ways like a dog returning to his vomit. Like, don't go back to the person that forgot you. Um, you know, that he's just hurt you. So why are you turning back to him? And, and we know this, I think, you know, when we think about emotionally, uh, when we think about our friendships, our relationships, if you've ever experienced um, being forgotten or abandoned, you know that in those moments, right, like, like when you feel that, in those moments, if someone abandons us or rejects us, our move isn't back to them right? We want to distance ourselves. That's the normal step that we take. We want to distance ourselves from them. When we feel abandoned, when we feel rejected, that's what we want to do because it hurts. So why then is David doing what he does here? Why does he go back to God and not away from him? When he feels abandoned, when he feels rejected, why is it that his move is not away from God, but it's back to him? Well, I think as we read this passage, I think there's two main reasons why David turns to God and not away from him in the middle of darkness. The first reason that we see in this passage is because even if David's logic is flawed, his faith is strong. Even if his logic is flawed, his faith is strong. It is David's instinctive faith when darkness comes to turn to God and not away from him. You could say it's because of the life that he set up in the good times, the pattern of life, the habits in the good times that allow him in the hard times to turn to God. In some ways, it's his reflex. It's his reflex action. So um, think about it like this, you know, um, the the knee-jerk reaction. So in your homes, you can try this after the service. Don't do it now. After the service, you can try this. If you grab a spoon from the kitchen and you hit your knee just in the right spot, Um, If you've ever done this before, you know this, but your knee, the reflex action is your knee kicks up, right? The rest of your leg goes up. 
you know, again, don't do this now after the service. Have a crack at this. It's not that fun. It hurts a little bit, but that, that's the reaction, the reflex action. When your knee gets hit, your leg goes up. Now, we could say for David, this is what happens. When David gets hit, his move is to God. That's his reflex. He goes to God, not away from him. His reflex action is when David gets hit, he turns towards God and not away from him. Now, again, this is not unique to David. Jesus showed us this as well. He showed us the pattern of life that when difficult times come, when darkness comes, that we turn to God and not away from him. You know, I think of the moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus had just been rejected, just been betrayed. He was there with his closest disciples and he was pleading with them to stay awake and pray with him and yet they kept falling asleep. He was on the edge of death. He was feeling anxiety, the battle of his mind. He felt, he, he was experiencing such worry that he was sweating tears of blood. And yet when Jesus got hit, where did he turn? He turned to the Father, not away from him. When Jesus got hit, his reflex action was to God and not away from him. Both David and Jesus show us that in, in moments of difficulty, their reflex action to turn to God and not away from him. In moments of darkness, both of them, when they get hit, they turn to God. That's the first reason David does this. First reason he turns to God is because he's got that reflex action. But the, the second reason is what we see in verse 5 and 6. It's because David knows who God is. Right? So, so we see that in verse 5 and 6. He's, he's speaking there about rejoicing in the salvation he's got. He says, I'm going to sing of the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. But, but those two verses there, um, they're held together with the first line in verse 5. It says, uh, I trust in your unfailing love. That, that's kind of the, the thing that keeps those words together, the unfailing love. Now in your Bibles at home, it might say steadfast love. Um, literally, the idea, though, is not unfailing or steadfast. Those are good words to describe it. But literally, the idea is covenantal love. Covenantal love. Now, that's a weird word. And it's a weird thing to kind of bring out because we don't really use covenantal love that much anymore. But, but the reality is what David is saying here is, I trust in your covenantal love, which means I trust in the love that's grounded not in my present situation, but in who God is, in God's promises, and in God's character. David's saying here, I trust in his covenantal love. I trust in his love that won't shift or change regardless of my present situation, regardless of the present pain, regardless of the present pandemic, regardless of whatever we're going through. He says, I trust in your unfailing love, your covenantal love, the love that's grounded in who God is and God's character and God's promises and God's past behavior. You see, the reason David turns to God and not away from God is because he knows who God is. He knows how God has acted to him in the past, and he knows God's love. That's why he turns to God. You see, it's interesting, when, when you think about relationships, I, I don't know if you felt this, if you felt abandoned or forgotten. You know, I don't know if you've experienced that. But for me, what's interesting is when I reflect on moments for me that I uh, have felt forgotten or abandoned, the, the biggest thing that comes to my mind is not, you know, with me and my wife, Elizabeth. It's not, um, it's not in that context. It's not friendships. But actually, it was a moment growing up for me. I was about um, six years old. And uh, I was on a camp with my dad. Uh, my dad used to run these camps called Kids Weekender for primary school kids, grade four to seven. And I was six, so I was there kind of with dad, but just I, I would just act like a camper. Um, and uh, 
there was this one camp that we had. Um, I couldn't tell you anything about the campsite or about the camp that happened. Couldn't tell you anything about it, but there was this uh, day on the Saturday that we went to the beach. So it must have been close to the beach. Uh, we went to the beach. We had this, you know, amazing day or whatever. I don't really remember the day. But as we were leaving, you know, time to pack up and all that, um, we had to kind of go to the bus. And so we were packing all of our stuff up. And now let me set the scene. So you've got the bus over here collecting the campus to go back to the campsite. Then you've got like a, a decent surf lifesaving club. Then you've got the car park on the other side where my dad was parked. So I'm taking stuff up to the bus. Um, I think it was, a, I still remember, it was a bodyboard. I was taking that up to the bus. And as we were packing up, my dad thought that I was going to get on the bus. Now, to his defense, because he, he might be watching at home, um, he, he probably told me to get on the bus. You know, in fact, I probably even came on the bus. So it makes sense that I would get on the bus. But as a six-year-old kid, no, I didn't want to get on the bus. I want to go home with Dad. So I put my bodyboard down, uh, went past the Surf Lifesaving Club, got to the car park on the other side, and Dad had gone. So I'm feeling forgotten. Right? Dad had left to, you know, beat the bus or whatever. I don't know. Just go back to the campsite. And so here I am, and I'm feeling forgotten. Now, uh, the picture is a six-year-old, you know, blonde boy, we've already established, pretty emotional. So uh, I am, you know, begin to cry because I feel forgotten. Run back over to the other side, past the Surf Lifesaving Club to get on the bus. That's my next move. But I get to the bus and the bus had left. So now I'm not only feeling forgotten, I'm feeling abandoned. Here I am, pretty emotional, right? In fact, now that the bus has gone, I am properly freaking out. So I sprint back past the Surf Lifesaving Club, get to the car park just to see if anyone's still there. And, and good news of the story, some leaders were still there, you know, probably making sure that everyone got back all right. You know, Dad had probably organized that. But for me, I felt in this moment abandoned. I felt forgotten. But, but you see, what's interesting is when I reflect on this situation, you know, again, I don't remember that much about this camp, but I remember when we got back to the campsite. I remember when I saw my dad. And, you know, as a, as a six-year-old kid, right, I, I did feel hurt in what had happened, right? Obviously, I still remember this as an adult. It, it's, <laughs> it's obviously some deep feelings, but I also remember seeing my dad. And when I saw dad, I didn't run away from him. No, when I saw dad, I was just glad to be back in his presence. You see, I knew my dad's past behaviors. I knew the love that he had shown me my whole life. And I knew that in this moment, despite my present feelings of being forgotten and abandoned, I knew that for me, the safest place for me to be was in my father's presence. I knew that the safest place, the best place for me was to be in my father's presence. You see, I think that's what's going on here with David. You know, he feels the darkness. He feels abandoned, rejected, the battle of his mind. He feels sorrow. He feels defeated. And yet David still turns to God, and he turns to God because he gets who God is. 
He gets what God has done. He understands God's past behavior. He understands the love that God has for him, the covenantal love grounded in who he is and his promises. And so he knows whatever the situation that God still loves him and is still for him. David gets who God is and gets God's love for him. And David gets even in the darkness. The safest place for him to be is in God's presence. Now, again, this is not just true for David. You see, this is true for us. Because when we read through the story of the Bible, we see God's covenantal love on display. And there is no more moment clearer than we see this at the cross, the cross of Jesus, because we see in this moment God's love. God entered, Jesus entered the world in love, and he went through verse 1 and 2. You notice that? He, he went through verse 1 and 2. He felt abandoned. He was rejected. He had the battle of his mind. He felt sorrow day after day. He was defeated as he hung on the cross. But Jesus went through that in love so that we could have a hope of eternal life. Jesus went through that to pay for our sin and bring us to God. And he went through that so we wouldn't have to be abandoned. He went through that so we wouldn't have to be rejected. He went through that so that even if we have the battle of our minds, we'll never truly be left alone. He went through that so even if we're feeling sorrow, even if we're feeling defeated, that we can know that we have the hope of Jesus who died and conquered the grave. We know God's covenantal love. You see, the cross is God's covenantal love on display. It is the moment where God entered into history and showed us His love and showed us whatever the present situation that we're feeling, whatever the present darkness, that God's love for you hasn't changed. That God's love is still the same, that He's still there, that He's still with you. And the God who loves you is the God who conquered the grave. You see, David and Jesus show us not just that it's okay to feel things in the middle of darkness. They show us where we turn. We turn to God because we realize that the safest place for us to be in the middle of darkness is in the presence of our Father. Now, now as we see this psalm, as we get to the end of this psalm, I think it does raise one final question. And the final question is, okay, this is fine in theory, that they show us it's okay to feel things and that, that we turn to God and not away from Him. But the final question as we get to the end of this is, okay, so what does it mean for me to turn to God in the middle of darkness? Because again, it's okay in theory, but if you've ever experienced darkness, you know that in the middle of hard times, sometimes it's hard to turn to God. So, so this was me this week. I had this experience. Um, this week, for whatever reason, uh, I was struggling to sleep, which if you know me is not new. Um, and for some reason, there was this moment this week where um, I, I got woken up and then I couldn't go back to sleep for a couple of hours. Now, you know, maybe you're sitting at home, right? And you think, a couple of hours, right? <laughs> I haven't slept well for ages. Um, the, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when darkness comes, it doesn't really discriminate. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if other people are going through kind of some kind of worse darkness than you. Darkness doesn't discriminate. When it sets in, it sets in. And it's difficult for any of us. And, and in that moment, for me, the darkness had set in. My mind was battling. It was waging war. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't think clearly. I was getting frustrated. I was getting annoyed by the situation. I was sad. I, I wanted to like, I tried to get up and be awake, but then I was so tired and then I'd lie down and my mind would come and just wage war. And I got to admit in that moment, it was hard for me to turn to God. You see, in, in darkness, it is hard sometimes to turn to God and not away from Him. So, so what practically can we do? 
What practically can we do to help us so that when darkness hits, we turn to God and not away from Him? Well, well, I think as we look at this passage, I think there's at least three practical things that we can do to help us in the middle of darkness turn to God and not away from Him. Three things, at least. The, the first thing that we can do is we create a reflex action. We create a reflex action so that when we get hit, we turn to God. You know, we could talk about setting up a pattern of life in the good times so that when the hard times come, that is our go-to move. Now, if this was before the pandemic, or let's go further, if this was, you know, before the fires, before all the stuff that we faced in Australia, what we would talk about in this moment here, right, if this sermon was being preached this time last year, we would talk about, okay, so what we do is set up good patterns in the good times. You know, get into the habits of reading your Bible, of praying, of engaging with God. Be consistent at growth group and church. Create moments in your life where you are turning to God and not away from Him so that we can set up a pattern of life in the good times so that when we get hit, we'll turn to God. But we're not pre-pandemic. You know, this is not pre those times we're in a pandemic. And the reality is, right, the good times have passed. The, the reality is right now in the pandemic, this is us getting hit. So what that means is we've got it. We can't just talk about setting up a pattern in the good times. We've got to fast track that process a bit. We've got to fast track that process because we are getting hit and we need that reaction. We need that reflex action to turn to God and not away from Him. That's what we need right now. That's what our church, that's what we as a people need. We need to be in God's presence. So how do we do that? Well, well I think the more practical we are, the better at this. I, I think we actually need to get real practical. I think we need to schedule in, in our life, times to do this. So what if after the service today, what if instead of changing the channel on your TV, what if instead of opening up the next app, what if instead of going on and doing the next thing, what if you just stopped for a moment? What if you thought about, okay, so what does it mean for me today to pray, to engage with who God is and what God has done? You know, I, I wonder what if we stop today and we think about what's tomorrow going to look like? You know, what does our week from Monday to Friday look like and where am I going to schedule in time to be with God? I wonder if we think through Saturday. You know, Saturday is going to be different to Friday. So what is it going to look like for me in that moment to schedule in time to be with God? You see, the reflex action that we need is when we get hit to turn to God and not away from Him, and we're being hit. So what we need is to turn to God. That's the first thing, create that reflex action. The second thing we need to do is, is pray. We need to be a people of prayer. We need to pray. And, and we need to pray not being concerned, you know, about exactly getting exactly the right words. You know, I don't think David was worrying that he wasn't getting exactly the right words out in one, verse 1 and 2. I don't think he cared about what people said. You know, you know, like he says, why have you forgotten me? God can't forget his people yet. I don't think he's worried about that. You know, when, when we pray, we don't have to worry. We don't have to care about what people think. Prayer is us in authenticity turning to God. And, and this is what we need in this time. We need to come to God. We need to be honest with him, with our feelings, with what we're going through. We need to bring our complaints to God, the experiences that we have. We need to come to Him in prayer. And, and if we struggle with that, we need to realize that the Psalms are a gift to us. You know, in the middle of darkness, sometimes the hardest thing can be for us to get our words out. The hardest thing can be to think straight. The, the Psalms, though, are a gift to us, to help us 
in the middle of times we don't have the words to say, to pray these words to God. You know, Psalm 13, I think, is intentionally vague. David doesn't give us his specifics of this situation. We can take Psalm 13 as it is and pray it. We can see how this is fulfilled in Jesus and points us to Jesus. We can see how Jesus prayed this as well. But this can be our prayer. This can be our prayer. So in, in the darkness, we pray. So first, create that reflex action. Second, pray. Third, finally, each day we need to reflect on the love that God has for us. Each day we need to stop and soak up God's covenantal love. The love that God has for us. His love that's grounded in His character and His promises. The love that doesn't change or shift whatever our situation. The love that hasn't shifted since the pandemic started. That doesn't shift whether the darkness gets worse or better. The love that stays the same. And each day we need to reflect on this. Each day we need to find time to reflect on God's love. So again, how do we do that? Well, well, I've found for me the helpful things is just to create habits on top of what I've already got. So, you know, if you've got a, a Bible reading and a prayer habit, spend that time and think about the question, how does this point me to the love that God has for me in Jesus? You know, when we pray, praise God that He loves us and His love hasn't shifted. You know, you know we, can, we could do this at Grace. You know, it, lots of people, we say grace before we eat. We thank God for our food. What if instead of just saying the words that we, you know, learnt as kids, or just instead of doing the, the song that we sing as a family, what if we just tag a few lines on the end of that and thank God not just for the food that He's given us, but that He loves us. And we see that clearly not just by the food, but by His death and resurrection. We take those moments. If we don't have patterns of Bible reading, we create those. We begin to turn to God and we see how the whole Bible points us to the love that God has for us in Jesus. What if, in other, what if there are other moments? You know, for me at the moment, I've found that I'm reading more news than ever before. What if, like, and, and it's particularly normally about the coronavirus, what if in this time we see good news? You know, because occasionally we do. What if when we see good news about the coronavirus, what if this is our cue to pray and to thank God, not just for the good news that we hear in the coronavirus, but the good news that He loves us and that He loves us whether this gets better or worse and He's dealt with our biggest problem of, of sin and death. What if when we hear bad news, you know, that fear-producing news, that, that anxiety-inducing type of news, the stuff that we read and it just messes with us straight away, what if that is a moment, a cue for us to pray? And in that moment, we pray and we lay our anxiety before God as He calls us to, but we praise Him. We praise Him for the love that He has for us, the love that goes beyond this situation, and the love that we have that we can know that our salvation is not getting out of this pandemic, but it's a hope that we have forever. You, you see what I'm talking about? Like in practical ways. And, and to be honest, the more that we do this, the better. The more we reflect on the love for God, the love that God has for us in Jesus, the better off we'll be because the more we reflect on God's covenantal love, on His love, the more we realize that God's love hasn't shifted or changed, that God's love is the same, whatever the situation, the more we reflect on this love, the more we realize that even in our present darkness, the safest place for us will always be in the presence of our Father. And so over and over again, we reflect on the love that God has for us in Jesus. So three practical things. Create that reflex action. Pray. Reflect on the love of God. Let's do that now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the love that we see 
throughout the Bible and throughout history. Lord, the, the love that's grounded in your character and your promises, the love that doesn't shift or change but stays the same, the love that doesn't move, whatever the situation we face, whether it is this present darkness, whether this darkness gets worse or better, whatever the next thing we face is, your love will always be the same. Lord, we thank you so much for that love. God, we ask that in this time that you would help us to turn to you and not away from you. We pray that you would prompt us in this, that you would help us in this. But Lord, that, that we would realize that, that our effort is grace-driven effort. It's an effort based on the love that you have for us and that we would schedule this stuff in, that we would think about what does it mean for us to do this this week. We pray that you would help us, Lord, because what we need right now is we need to turn to you and not away from Thank you, Lord, for your love. We pray that your love would guide us and transform us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.